I'm Lisa Stone, and you are listening to Season 8 of Parenting Aces. Welcome to Season 8 of the Parenting Aces podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and this week we are talking nutrition and hydration. And I know I have had guests in the past that have come on and talked about these topics, But what sets this week's podcast apart is my guest, Julie Nicoletti, who is the nutrition consultant for the Boston Bruins hockey team. But she is also in partnership with Cross Court Consulting, who you guys heard from a few weeks ago on the podcast. And you also hopefully by now seen their ad on ParentingAces.com. Julie has incredible experience and an incredible background that she brings to her work with young athletes. And she, in this week's episode, talks very specifically about what junior players need to be doing hydration and nutrition wise during practices, during tournaments, and in between to maximize their performance. And I'm, I'm talking detailed details. If you check out the show notes, you will see links to the products that Julie recommends, as well as links to her contact information. And she has graciously offered a little extra something, something to the Parenting Aces community. So check the show notes for details on that as well. For now, sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast with Julie Nicoletti. Julie Nicoletti, thank you so much for joining us on the Parenting Aces podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. Well, I'm really excited to talk to you this week about nutrition and how we can help our junior players do a better job of fueling their bodies. And before we get into that, though, I would love for you to give our audience a little bit of background on your life in sports, your life in the nutrition world, and how you got to where you are today. Sure. So I have a non-traditional path. I actually started as a pharmacist and practiced pharmacy for almost 20 years. So after um, after realizing that I was spending more and more time dispensing medication without any opportunity for lifestyle modification counseling, I started looking into um, more of the the viewpoint of food as fuel, but also food as medicine. And that uh, coincided with a marathon that I was training for and then a subsequent Ironman triathlon and understanding how to fuel my body led me to further education. And then 11 years later, here I am with Kinetic Fuel and I'm the sports uh, team nutritionist for the Boston Bruins. That's crazy. I, I mean, it's, it is a non-traditional path, but I love the fact that you came from the healthcare side of things and, mm-hmm. you know, the medicine side of things, because it really does give you that background and that knowledge on how different foods affect the body, not only from, you know, a, a biomechanical standpoint or, you know, a metabolic standpoint, but also from a performance and psychological standpoint. Right. And 
you know, we can't separate the fact that our young tennis players are going to be adults at some point, and we want to make sure that the fuel that they're putting into their bodies also is enhancing their overall health and well-being, not just for now at, at, the, at a time when they're very competitive, but also at a time when they may be enjoying tennis as a hobby. Um, in their, you know, 40s and 50s or 60s or, you know, if they've stopped playing masters at that point. So, yes, it's important. Absolutely. Um, And can you just give us kind of a little insight into the work you do with the Boston Bruins? Because, you know, that we may have some hockey fans out there. (laughs) Sure. So the, my role with the Bruins is to make sure that they are fueled, hydrated, and recovering in order to maximize their performance and reduce their risk of injury. And that um, that requires that I work with the team chefs to, um, to provide meals pre-game or post-practice um, or on the jet or on the road that they are, um, that the, that the meals are not only um, fulfilling the nutrient timing and the nutrient uh, density needs that, that the players have, but also that they're uh, appealing and um, that they taste good and they're what the players are sort of craving after a, a hard practice or a hard game. So um, we also, I work with the director of player performance and the strength and conditioning staff to make sure that the players are receiving all of the vitamins, minerals, and supplements that they need as well. Wow. So, I mean, that's a huge responsibility to be fueling professional athletes. And it's not just one athlete like it would be in the tennis world. You've got a whole team full of them with different needs, I'm sure, different tastes and (laughs) dietary restrictions and all of those things. that's true. Although there are lots of opportunities where I work with a player individually. And that would be, for example, a player who um, is injured um, or has some sort of illness that comes about. They're, you know, they're real people too. So somebody gets the flu or somebody is injured and now their output is changing. So their input needs to change, not just from a caloric standpoint and maintaining body composition, but also understanding some of the nutrients that they can put into their body to speed their recovery and and get them back playing as quickly as possible. So let's segue from that to, excuse me, to your work with junior tennis players and how what you're doing with this professional hockey team is applicable to junior tennis. Yes. That's a great segue. (laughs) Oftentimes when I work with tennis players, I'm working with them individually. So I'm seeing them either in my office, if they're local to the Boston area, or we're working uh, via FaceTime. And oftentimes I'll ask them to take photos for three days of everything that they eat and drink um, before we have our initial conference call or our initial visit. And during that time, um, I'll have an opportunity to see the foods that they tend towards, the timing of their foods, and the portions of their foods. And I usually will ask them to to include, say, a school day versus a weekend day, or if they're in season, a practice day or a match day, just so that I can get a sense of what they're currently doing. And then we'll, um, we'll meet 
will talk about their goals. So some of them, for example, may need to lean out for a little more speed and agility. There are other younger players who may need to add a little bit of lean functional muscle for a little more power. Um, and so we'll address those goals as well as their day-to-day nutrients um, and their day-to-day eating and drinking. And then we'll talk specifically about practice and matches. And so um, what they do, you know, say three hours before, an hour before, what they um, what they do for their hydration, whether there are any issues. So sometimes they come to me because they're experiencing something that's kind of driven them here. Um, for example, a collegiate tennis player who um, was cramping really badly and so wanted to try to figure that out. Um, I have another younger tennis player um, who was um, finding that her energy was just low. And, um, you know, so in that case, um, we added things like baby spinach to increase iron. So things like that. Interesting. Gosh, I wish I had known you when my son was playing. He was a cramper and, oh, God, it was yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was rough going there mm-hmm. for a while. Uh, so it's maybe really we'll, challenging. yeah, maybe we'll circle back to this whole issue of cramping and and how nutrients can help with that. But mm-hmm. but I really, you know, for the purposes of this podcast, I really wanted to focus on the specifics of what our players need to be doing food-wise, hydration-wise, maybe supplement-wise, during mm-hmm. training blocks, and then during competition, and how those things look different, how they look the okay. same. Um, so maybe let's start with the training block. And I know that, you know, if we're talking about an eight-year-old, that's very different than talking about a 14-year-old or an 18-year-old. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe there's some things that are more generic to tennis players in general that we can start with and then kind of dig into the specifics. Sure. So I think before we even talk about the fueling, um, the hydration piece is just so important. So I I sort of break down, um, if we think about the training block and think about hydration, um, hydration is, is good hydration is part of good health and every cell, tissue, organ needs water to work properly. And that's magnified when it comes to athletes and in particular tennis players. So hydration is so vital to not only performance, but also to risk of injury. So it's been shown that athletes are faster and stronger when they're fully hydrated but it also reduces your risk of injury. So think about things like muscle tears or strains or pulls or prematurely fatiguing or cramping. Those are, those are results of um, improper or could be results of improper hydration. And so one of the most general rules of thumb for hydration that would apply to an 8- or an 18-year-old is more water and less of everything else. And by everything else, I'm typically referring there to things like um, Arnold's Palmer or lemonade or juice or um, sugary sports drinks. I'm not saying none of it. I'm saying more water, less of everything else. 
And in some cases, I am saying none of it, something like soda, for example, because not only is it not good for you, but it's bad for you. So um, if we focus on hydration and making sure that an athlete is fully hydrated, and the best gauge of hydration is color of um, an athlete's urine. So if a tennis player wakes up in the morning, um, obviously it will be darker first time in the morning, but the rest of the day, unless they've just taken a multivitamin, um, should be a very pale yellow to clear. Um, and this is also responsible for temperature regulation. So when we think about tennis players in the Northeast, for example, who may be traveling to Florida for a tournament, um, so practicing indoors and then playing outdoors, or just, you know, the fact that um, when I play um, in Newport, Rhode Island, it's typically, um, you know, there are some hot days and the sun beats down on the court. So um, regardless of where you are, uh, hydration also impacts temperature regulation. And so you said, you know, less sugary sports drinks, less lemonade. What is your thought or what is your stance on using some sort of sport drink or even coconut water as a hydration mm -hmm. mechanism? Is that good, bad? Was water always the best thing? Uh, not always. <laughs> a foundation of water for sure. And that's where we start to individualize when we think about um, electrolyte replenishment or, you know, perhaps um, dealing with cramping. But in a general sense, what I would say is um, either after an athlete's been sweating for 60 minutes or more or in advance of or during. So, so this is, I understand it, you could actually pick your timing, but some people choose to do it based on how they feel. And part of that has to do with practicing. So we can circle back to practicing um, fueling during, you know, you practice it when you're practicing and you actually implement it when you're playing. Um, but so what one, um, one thing to note, of course, when you sweat, you don't just sweat water. You're losing sodium, potassium, calcium, magnesium. Um, there is an electrolyte replenishment in sports drinks, but what I often hear is that um, they can make uh, players spit thick. <laughs> and I know that sounds funny, but when I say that, um, players oftentimes nod their head and they know exactly what I'm talking about. So some people will either dilute a sports drink or um, we'll just look for another alternative. So one alternative, for example, are the noon tablets, N-U-U-N. And those um, tablets are scored. So you could break a tablet in half and um, put it into a water bottle to dissolve. And you could do that, say you knew that you were having a really um, challenging practice or it was going to be um, a longer session today. You might want to have half before and then half during. Or other people may prefer to have half before and half after as a replenishment. It really depends on where they feel their hydration is. And um, another thought there is if they're playing multiple days, for example, and don't feel like they have the opportunity to fully replenish, then it's better to have some before and during rather than waiting for the second day to be over. Um, and then there are, there are plenty of other options for replenishing electrolytes. So 
Um, another one, for example, that you mentioned would be coconut water. And coconut water is a great source of potassium, but it doesn't provide a balanced electrolyte profile. So that's typically not my go-to for, um, you know, after a, after a player's been sweating for 60 minutes or more or in advance of playing in a match. Okay. So if a player is, let's say, at a three-hour practice session, um, mm-hmm. you know, we're in the training block, they're they're working hard in the this three-hour time, and they're training outdoors, and, you know, the temperature is warm enough that they are sweating. Mm-hmm. How often should they be drinking? What should they be drinking? And how much should they be drinking? Great question. So their hydration certainly begins before they arrive at the court. Um, and my, my goal for every player is that they are fully hydrated each day, whether it's a practice day, a match day, or a, an off day. But for you, the specific circumstance that you um, that you just outlined, I would say up to an hour before you could drink, um, just to put it in easily recognizable terms, a player depending on their size. So maybe a, an, an, uh, a teenage um, junior player could drink one water bottle, those 16.9 ounce water bottles, about an hour before. And then leading up to their actual practice time, they can um, sip on water as needed. And you can pay attention to your thirst in terms of um, hydration, but really it's the color of your urine. So hopefully if they understand that, you know, the temperature is warm, they're playing outside and they've got a a long um, practice ahead of them, that they're thinking about this from the time that they wake up until the time that they go to bed because post-practice it's all about rehydration. in terms of during, it's really according to, to thirst, but I recommend that at every break in play, they have some sort of hydration. And how much? I mean, I, you know, I've heard everything from a big sip to two ounces, you know, and right. How do so you gauge? <laughs> right. Um, again, there's a little bit of practice and a little bit of intuition there, and then you meld that with the science. So if you're, you know, if you're a younger player, they will understand things more like they don't want to feel a lot of sloshing in their stomach. Like they don't want, you know, you don't want to drink so much or be so thirsty that you do drink so much and then it's sitting in your stomach. Um, I, I would probably a big sip, which is, you know, probably a, a, an ounce to two um, each at every break and play, but it also depends on the length of time in that break and play. So it, if it mm-hmm. happens to be a longer break and play, you certainly could drink more. So that's the challenge of giving a specific number of ounces. It really depends on the player's size, their body weight, their exertion, their sweat rate, um, and the amount of time that they have, you know, if it's a quick switch, then maybe all they have time to do is a, a quick sip. Right. If they've got a few minutes for instruction and can actually take a number of smaller sips, that's probably better. And that's why, you know, as I'm listening to you, obviously this is why it's so important 
for the kids to practice this. Yeah. Because yeah. you don't you don't want to show up for a tournament match and try something new for the first Absolutely time. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. So right. I, I I think this whole idea of you know experimenting during the training blocks, during practice sessions mm-hmm. to find the right drink, the right amount, how often, yeah. yada yada. Yeah. And and like you said, it depends on the size of the athlete, the amount they sweat. Uh, the amount of yeah. exertion that day and yeah. all of that is different. So teaching our kids how to recognize all of these things and adapt mm-hmm. for them is yeah. huge. Yes. Yeah. It's really, really important to practice. I mean, right down to something like the flavor of the noon tablet that they're using or the, you know, scratch powder or whichever, rehydration or electrolyte replenishment they're looking at you know they they need to practice things um you know and in particular i I, this is an example that's fresh in my mind where um a player tackles for a tournament and um you know kind of flew down loaded up on what he felt like he needed but then found that he didn't like the flavor of the um electrolyte replenishment that he had chosen and so didn't end up using it and that really hurt him I think towards the end wow yeah and I have yeah. um, I have personal experience with that one so <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep flavor is important I mean we're talking about the science here but really you know when it comes down to it especially if you're a 10 year old you know if you're an 18 year old you may you know just say this is what I need to drink this is what my body needs I don't care what it tastes like but you know, if you're eight or nine or 10, it's a little harder to convince. Right. And so let me just ask you, if a player does become dehydrated and, you know, I'm not talking to the point where they're seizing and convulsing and need to go to the hospital, but I'm mm-hmm. talking about to the, to the point where if they were to go to the bathroom, their urine would be darker. What can happen to them? I mean, how does it impact their performance and their health? Right. So the the signs of dehydration should be something that every player is aware of and can recognize. So that is blurred vision, headaches, dizziness, nausea. Um, Sometimes sometimes it's, or many times it's cramping, but sometimes it's, it's also gastrointestinal cramping. Um, So those are, those are signs that, that somebody is dehydrated. Um, you mentioned the sort of the extreme case of dehydration, um, but it is a health uh, concern. And that's why it's so important. And tennis being a sport that isn't timed, like hockey, for example, where, you know, the clock is ticking, we know exactly how long, um, a, you know, a game will last to the, unless it goes into overtime. And then we know how long overtime is. And, you know, if it's a shootout, it will, it's a couple more minutes. But, with a tennis match, the, the huge variation in timing requires that players be prepared. And I can't stress that enough. Um, and perhaps that's a segue into fueling. Um, but I, I oftentimes will suggest that, that a player carry a cooler with them with lots of options. And it's very likely that they won't go through all of the options in their cooler but they need to be prepared with um, with multiple choices based on 
you know, what their bodies need and also what they're, what they feel like they can tolerate. So what I mean by that is, uh, if a player knows that they really should have some additional fuel and what they really need is that fast acting carbohydrate to give them some additional energy, but they only have one choice and they can't stomach it, like the thought of it makes them want to gag, then they need to have another choice. Otherwise, they're not refueling and that will catch up to them. Absolutely. Well, let's segue into the fueling piece then and and talk about, you know, how do these young athletes fuel their body with food and supplements to make sure that mm-hmm. they are their healthiest and performing at their highest level? Yes. So starting with an overall principle, I like to say that an athlete should eat food that they recognize food that runs, swims, flies, grows from the ground, or falls from a tree that they can still recognize. So that basically breaks down into lean protein, whether that's from, you know, eggs or meat or dairy or, um, or you know, some a plant-based source of protein or fish or seafood. Um, it's protein. It's carbohydrates that come from vegetables and fruit and then what I call clean starches, things like potatoes, sweet potato, butternut squash, pumpkin, um, beans, uh, peas, things like that. And then clean grains, things like quinoa or the ancient grains, rice, um, oats. So, and then the, the, the smallest segment of carbohydrates would be processed starches. And those are things like um, pasta, bagels, bread, pretzels, pizza, croissants, um, baked goods, candy, that type of thing. So, and then the last section of the food that you recognize, run, swim, fly, grow from the ground or fall from a tree, would be healthy fats. And healthy fats come from fatty fish like salmon or tuna or mackerel or sardines. It also, although I, I don't know how many 14-year-old tennis players are eating sardines, but there could be some out there. Um, (laughs) It also comes from avocado or guacamole or nuts or seeds or nut butter or seed butter um, from coconut, things like that. So general rule of thumb, more food you recognize, less of the food that you don't. So in the same principle as more water, less of everything else, it's more of the food that you recognize and less of the foods that you don't. So a concrete example of that might be something like, I don't know, a common food for um, for young players might be chicken ziti broccoli. And so my suggestion there would be to double the chicken, triple the broccoli, and quarter the ziti. And maybe, you know, use, a, use less of the Alfredo sauce <laughs> or maybe change it to a marinara or something different. So you're getting more of the food you recognize and less of what you don't. Or change the ziti to a, you know, a zucchini noodle or something completely different, but that really changes the dish. And depending on the age and the motivation of the player, that may or may not fly. <laughs> right. <laughs> so and, um, and so, I mean, what about, you know, when these kids are at school and, you know, they're hungry, they need a snack. I mean, what are some things that they can pack with them to have that are, that's portable, you know, they can eat on the go during their day so that Mm -hmm. when they do arrive at practice, 
they are well fueled and ready to go? That's a great question. And it's so um, interesting when you, you know, so we talked about the science and then, you know, the, the individual counseling. So I may say, well, gosh, a banana would be a great source of potassium and carbohydrates before practice. But a middle school or high schooler is not going to put a banana in their backpack for two reasons. One is it smells and the second is it gets mushy. Right. And so unless we've figured out a way to put it into a container, which takes up more space in an already full backpack, then the banana is probably not the best choice. <laughs> so there are a couple of um, a couple of go-to snacks if we're thinking about that. Um, you know, so often our school-aged tennis players are eating, you know, lunch. It could be 10:30 or 10:40 or 11:10, um, and then that's a that's a big gap between lunchtime and practice time, and so. Um, let's call it a high school athlete who may have practiced right after school. Um, it's important to think about that time between lunch and practice. If, um, if a school or a teacher will allow a player to eat in class, I'll often recommend that they have a snack in say their last period to give their body a little bit of time to digest and absorb what they've um, just eaten. If not, I'll recommend something that's uh, either liquid or semi-solid. So what I mean by that is, um, have you seen the Fuel for Fire pouches or the Monk Packs? Is that familiar to you, Lisa? No, but I'm writing this down so I can include okay. it in the, sh- in the show notes. <laughs> okay. So Fuel for Fire was developed by a, a triathlete who combined um, whey protein with fruit. Um, and in some cases with sweet potato, for example. So there's a sweet potato apple, there's tropical, there's coffee, strawberry, banana, mixed berry, lots of different flavors. But it's a, in a pouch, almost like a go-gurt consistency. But you get protein and carbohydrates in a pouch that's convenient to carry with a reclosable top so you don't have to eat it all at once, although it is a single serving. It, um it does not require refrigeration, but some people feel like it, they like the taste of it better when it's colder. So that's one option. A monk pack is actually an oatmeal base. So it's oatmeal and fruit or sometimes quinoa and oatmeal and fruit. Um, so it's a good carbohydrate. Um, I, again, it's a semi-solid sort of think, you know, think kind of pudding or, or yogurt consistency that you just squeeze the pouch right through the straw at the top. And um, having things like that are easily digested versus eating, you know, I I guess a common snack would be a bar, for example. And, you know, a bar being like thicker, a little heavier, takes longer to digest. Um, Players don't want to feel weighted down and full while they're playing and actually from the you know the science standpoint we want the energy that's contained in that food to be um, digested and absorbed so that the player can then use it rather than having it just sit in their stomach so thinking about some additional options fruit always works as a source of carbohydrate that's easy to carry you could also use vegetables like you know, baby carrots and, and add hummus or something like that to it. Um, 
And depending on the time between the snack and playing or practicing, that really depends on um, the, the portion size. Got it. All right, let's shift gears a little and talk about what they should be eating if they should be eating during practices. Ah, great question. So um, as I just said, my philosophy centers around whole, real, clean food and as close to its natural state as possible, as often as possible. That's the food you recognize. Run, swim, fly, grow from the ground, fall from a tree. However, (laughs) while you are in the thick of it, while your body is performing, that's really where sports foods come into play. Um, I can tell you from personal experience that I have tried things like dates and raisins and banana and sweet potato. Um, and, and yes, they work, but they take longer to kick in and they're a little less predictable. So something like, um, cliff shot blocks or, the honey stinger chews or the honey stinger waffles, um, those are very predictable. You know you've got 100 calories with 25 grams of protein, and if you take it 10 minutes before, you've got about 45 minutes of working time, and you've got the energy for that. Again, something that really should be practiced because you don't want to go into a match and try something that has... um, There's always a risk that it could upset your stomach if you're not familiar with it. Um, There are also funny things that happen. For example, some people absolutely love the chews that taste like, you know, they taste like gummy bears. And so um, some players love that. Other players tell me that they don't like the chews because some of it gets stuck into their, in their teeth and then it's distracting. Right. So right. they would they would rather have something like a goo or a gel that goes right down, whereas other people feel like that's too sugary, tastes like frosting, upsets my stomach if I don't have it with water. So again, practice, 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 and you know it may take a couple of times to figure out what what works the best. Great. All right, let's um, move on to competition because I want to make sure we cover this piece of it for sure. So tennis tournaments typically last anywhere from a day, if your child doesn't have a great tournament, um, (laughs) up up to five (laughs) to seven days, you know, uh, depending on the type of event it is. And I, Obviously, as the event goes on, as your child plays more matches, accumulates more matches over the course of the event, their stores inside their body are depleting at a rapid pace. And, you know, one of the challenges that I saw with, with my child, and this is years ago, is once he kind of turned that corner in his development and was able to stay in tournaments longer, make it to the later rounds, you know, be there mm-hmm. on the last day. Yeah. It became a challenge of how does he not run out of gas in those last right. matches, right? How do we keep right. his body at peak performance level in those last matches, especially during the summer months, especially yeah. down south. So um so let's talk about that. Let's talk about preparing for the event. Let's, you know, let's yeah. say the, the week of, uh, assuming a tournament starts on a Friday or a Saturday, how do we okay. get them ready? And then during the tournament itself, what 
should they be eating before a match, during a match, and for recovery purposes? Yes. Okay. So leading up to, I would say certainly think about that hydration piece and make sure that your player is fully hydrated um, every day. So leading up to it. If there's a flight involved, then consider the fact that the dry recycled air in a plane is dehydrating. And so typically an adult sized player, so maybe we're talking the high school age and maybe it's less for a um, an elementary school player requires about 16 ounces of water per hour of flight time. That doesn't need to be every hour on the hour, but it should be through the course of the, the time. So maybe driving to the airport, there's a water bottle. Maybe once you're through security and waiting for board, there's a water bottle. That's your, you know, that's a two hour flight right there. Um, in terms of fueling, as we get closer to the tournament, so no need to have pasta dinners, you know, three nights ahead. That, that doesn't make any sense. Um, I would stick to foods that are whole, real, clean as much as possible. Um, certainly adding, you know, a, a reasonable amount of carbohydrate, but our carbs are so easy to come by with fruit and vegetables and clean starches like the potato or sweet potato, um, hummus, beans, and then um, and then your um, uh, clean grains like oats or quinoa or rice. Um, so you can certainly incorporate that into regular meal planning, but I would I would stay away from as we get closer to tournament day. I would stay away from too much red meat and um, too many like really fibrous foods. And that's only for digestion. If a if a player tends to get some butterflies or a little bit of GI upset before they compete, then you want to try to keep that at a minimum. And then the the you know steak the night before an early um, morning match would not be a good idea because it takes so much longer to digest. Okay. Steak three nights before would be perfectly fine, or you know lean sure. red meat leading up to it is perfectly fine, but just the night before. Um, the first meal, the first, I'm sorry, the last full meal, which could be the first meal of the day, is typically three hours before. But we're not going to wake up a 14-year-old to eat breakfast at 5 a.m. when they're not even hungry to play at 8. <laughs> so um, oftentimes the breakfast um, looks a little more like a, a combination of snacks or a snack. And then when a teenager's natural circadian rhythm wakes them up a bit more, maybe 9.30 or 10 o'clock in the morning. If there's a break in play and they have enough time to digest, then I would recommend something a little bit more substantial then. But it's it's pretty common. I don't know if you saw this with your son, but it's pretty common for um, kids that age not to be all that hungry in the morning, but right. they know that they need some fuel. So they've got to get something in. Um, maybe it's just a banana first thing in the morning and then at that first break in play, which I would technically say is mid-morning, um, they could have something a little more substantial. So they could go into a match just having had a banana before the match once they've woken up if they're playing early in the morning? If they're playing early in the morning, yes. Uh, not ideal. I would like for them to have oatmeal, a banana, and maybe some, you know, 
slivered almonds or walnuts or something in addition to it. Um, but oftentimes that, um, that's the case. I, I think that's the reality of it where either due to, um, you know, a natural lack of appetite because it's early or butterflies or nerves, they just can't get a lot in. Interesting. That is new information for me. And, and it makes a lot of sense as you say it, <laughs> but yep. it, it goes against my motherly, you know, of Oh course. my gosh, we've got to get a good meal in you. You're going out here to fight for this match yes. and it's hot. And yeah. Yeah, of course. And so that's where the cooler comes in. Ah. That's where that cooler that, that has been packed so if you're flying, I usually say take a soft-sided cooler, throw it in your luggage when you arrive in, at your destination, um, find a grocery store, and get the things that you'll need. So maybe there are, you know, some clementines, an additional banana, some um, some of those monk packs or fuel for fire or boxes of raisins. Um, maybe there is something a little more substantial, like a, a wrap or roll-up, um, whether it's a breakfast wrap or roll-up or, um, or something that looks more like lunch. But there have to be lots of options for your player based on what they feel like, you know, what they feel like they can tolerate and what they need. And certainly, I want to make it really clear that if a player has an appetite and is willing to have breakfast, say, you know, an hour and a half, two hours before they play, then yes, please go for it. <laughs> Ideally, it would look like some sort of, you know, omelet with vegetables and potatoes and fruit or something like that. Um, I'm not a fan of bagels and cream cheese before a player plays. That's really, your body sees that in terms of breaking it down like fat on top of sugar. Um, and so that's not the best feel. Interesting. But okay. Even at, even if you were in a hotel that didn't, let's say they only offered continental breakfast. So your choices were, I don't know, croissants, bagels, or muffins, or cereal. Um, and you decide you're just going to go to Subway or something like that. Subway has a, an, like an egg white flatbread that you could have with lots of vegetables on it. Um, you could certainly do something like that. And then you know, get some fruit to add to it. Interesting. All right. So they've got the cooler packed. We know what they're doing during the match because they've got all their options in their cooler and they're going to use what sounds like it's going to taste good to them in the moment to decide what mm -hmm. to eat during the match. All right. Let's say they, they come off the court, they have an hour to 90 minutes and then they have to compete again. Okay. That was always the biggest challenge for me as a parent traveling with a player is what do we do in that short span of time to get him ready for that next match? Right. So at that point, he might be starving, <laughs> especially if he only had a banana for breakfast and some shot blocks or a goo or a honey stringer waffle or something um, between the morning and now. So that should be. Um, especially with 90 minutes, that actually could be a meal. Um, I would avoid healthy fat there. So I would avoid things like peanut butter, avocado, or um, uh, nuts or seeds or trail mix, because that's going to take longer to digest. The goal in this period of time is to refuel 
but to step on the court feeling light, not feeling heavy and weighted down, and healthy fats just take longer to digest and um, and absorb. So, um, so maybe that's a I don't know a, a chicken wrap with um, baby spinach and hummus, or maybe it's um, I'm trying to think a little more mainstream. So maybe it's a an English muffin or a sandwich thin with um, turkey and lettuce. I would I would go really light on the cheese, if any, because again, that's going to slow the digestion and absorption of everything it's with. Um, maybe it's a little like rice bowl. So the the foundation is is a little bit of rice that's quickly digested and absorbed, and some chunks of chicken. And I don't know if if the player would eat some vegetables in there, that would be ideal and a piece of fruit. Okay. That sounds easy and doable and, you know, you've given lots of options. So I love that. All right. So now they've played the second singles match of the day. Maybe they have a doubles match to come later. Um, So we kind of know now what to do in between but they've won. They're going to return to play the next day. What do yeah. we do at the end of the day to get ready for day two? Yes, really, really important. Your recovery today is your preparation for tomorrow. So within 30 minutes of coming off the court or at the first moment they feel able to eat. And why I say that is because sometimes um, with the heat, um, it's just hard to eat right away. You need a little bit of decompression time. But ideally, it's within that first 30-minute window where a player is having some sort of protein, and that's to help the muscle fibers repair, and then some sort of carbohydrate, which is replenishing that stored energy called glycogen found in the liver and the muscles, and that's what your body will call on the next day. So, <clears throat> excuse me, they... Uh, the protein can come in a number of different forms. So if it's time for dinner and the player's starving and you want to go and have dinner and you can get it in within that time frame, then great. Um, you know, something like a, you know, chicken and potato, sweet potato and broccoli is perfect. If you're, um, if, if it's not, let's call it dinner time, then maybe it's a protein shake followed by with a banana or some grapes or raisins or pineapple or watermelon, which is very hydrating. Um, and those higher glycemic index fruits tend to, um, you know, they're, they're, they're best right before or right after you play. Um, so uh, if it's a protein shake, um, you know, maybe it's one scoop, which is 20 grams mixed with just water or, or an unsweetened almond milk or something like that, plus a piece of fruit and then a meal an hour later. The other thing that sometimes happens is with adrenaline, when the adrenaline starts to come down, appetite goes up. And so for a player who may not have been all that hungry during competition, um, all of a sudden might come off the court, have that like, ah, I'm done for the day and be, be starving. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, certainly they could do the protein shake, the apple and dinner. So right. it really depends on the player, but certainly having something. The biggest mistake would be not eating for a long period of time. Coming off the court at four and being like, oh, I'm not hungry. I just want to go back to the hotel room, cool down and take a nap. 
um, we'll go to dinner at 6.30 or 7. That would be a mistake. Okay. And <laughs> and is that protocol the same each day of the tournament? I mean, yes. or does it change as the tournament goes on? No, it really is the same. You should okay. be you should be feeling fueled and hydrated at the you know at day or night four into day five, the same way you were after you know day one heading into day two. So there are um, you know it's natural your body's taken a toll. Your glycogen stores are depleted, but we're working really hard to replenish and stay ahead of the fueling needs, the fueling requirements. And that's part of that, those sports foods during um, the match or, you know, when, when it's appropriate uh, in a uh, break and play um, so that, so that really you're not so depleted by the end. I think one of the things, and actually Jeff from Cross Court Consultant, Consulting and I were talking about this, one of the things that parents sometimes see is that going into those latter days, they feel like, you know, their their player may not have been conditioned or isn't in the right kind of shape. And actually they're they're um they're fizzling out, not because they're not in good shape, but more because they haven't fueled and hydrated properly. That makes so much sense. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it makes so, the, so much sense. Yeah. The answer isn't more fitness when we get home. It isn't more conditioning or more strength training or more off court. It's, it's more about the fueling and hydration for the competition that's right in front of you. Right. Right. Well, one last thing I want to ask you about, cause we're coming to the end of our hour together is supplements. And I, okay. I'm just curious as to your stance on them. Um, mm-hmm. at what age, if, if you do believe they are useful at what age should a child start taking them and what should they take? Great question. So again, my philosophy is, um, is, is individualized based on what the player is, is doing. So, for example, a high school player who is looking to have something to add something like creatine to build a little more lean mass, um, would I, I would not even consider that if they were having a bagel, egg, and cheese or bacon, egg, and cheese on a bagel at Dunkin' Donuts every morning. <laughs> so it really depends on what they're where they're starting from. If they're having a foundation of a really clean, um, clean nutritional intake, then I would consider supplements. The two that I find, um, two or three that I find most useful, one would be vitamin D, especially for players who are in New England or in the Northwest or a place where they're just not getting enough sunlight. Um, so vitamin D is responsible for strong bones and teeth as well as mood and metabolism and, um, omega-3 fatty acids, things that are found in, you know, fatty fish, like I just mentioned, or walnuts, um, people are notoriously low for omega-3s and omega-3 fatty acids are responsible for things like, um, uh, cognitive functioning, like split-second decision-making, focus, attention span, um, reasoning, memory recollection, things like that. So Nordic Naturals makes an ultimate omega plus D3 
So you've got the omega-3 fatty acids plus the vitamin D3 combined into one capsule, makes it very easy, doesn't taste like fish, doesn't leave any aftertaste or anything like that. And is that something, I mean, would you recommend that for everyone or again, it would be depending on what they're already doing? Right. So if somebody is eating salmon two or three times a day and regularly eating walnuts or olives or avocado, you know, we may say, you know what, you've got enough fatty acids, you're good. Um, For somebody, I don't know, who's only eating peanut butter, doesn't like fish, um, won't eat walnuts, or if there's a nut allergy, you know, there are lots of different reasons why um, adding it, you know, would would be indicated. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really depends on the person. If they're already eating, like I said, let's say they're having walnuts every day and wild-caught salmon three times a week, they don't eat it. Okay. Um, and the vitamin D, again, if somebody... You know, you're you're down south where there's a lot more sun than I than I have in Boston, and so vitamin D may be less of an issue in the warmer, sunnier states. Got it. And is so, there an age at which it's appropriate to start this stuff, or does it you know sooner the better? Yeah, it um, it really depends. So um, I would say you know ten, twelve um, is is perfectly fine, not too young at all. Um, and But the capsules are a little bit bigger, so there's also an option. Um, the brand Barleans, B-A-R-L-E-A-N-S, has like a, a smoothie, they call it, which is just like a thicker liquid almost um, that, you know, mango-flavored or what have you. So um, that's another way to get fish oil. Um, so fish oil, vitamin D, those are really important. Um, I often will use maca, which is a root like turmeric or ginger. So turmeric is great for inflammation. Um, maca is used for stamina and energy. And um, we all know the placebo effect is very strong, up to about 30% in some cases. And so um, oftentimes we'll use maca um, which is just a root grown at high elevation in Peru. They pull the root and harvest it once a year, let it dry in the sun, grind it down. So just like ginger is great for immunity or an upset stomach, um, uh, turmeric is good for energy and stamina. And so we'll, I'll often use that as well. Um, so that brand is Soul Rays, S-O-L-R-A-I-Z, organic. That's the one that I like in particular. And then a protein powder. So I do feel that there is indication for protein powder. Um, and that really depends on, uh, you know, what the, how old the player is or the quantity would depend on how old the player is and how much they weighed. But typically, one scoop is a is a good um, round amount for a player to add to either a you know a fruit smoothie. I don't recommend fruit smoothies that are only fruit. I would always add additional nutritionals, for example, the maca, um, and always add a source of protein there. And then sometimes a healthy fat like um, shredded unsweetened coconut, um, you know, to make like a pina colada or a strawberry coconut. For example, I typically like berries because they have 
the highest amount of vitamin C as an antioxidant and as an immunity booster, um, especially if somebody is, you know, spending a lot of time in a confined area, whether that be a plane or with a tennis team um, or, you know, in a hotel, what have you. Um, so I like berries, for example, in a smoothie. Um, and then in terms of the whey protein powder, uh, or I'm sorry, the protein powder, it could be whey, it could be plant-based, it could be egg white, um, it could be collagen, which is res- um, responsible for connective tissue, like tissue, like um, tendons or ligaments. And so, um, so oftentimes it could be a combination of both, where you're using some of, say, a whey protein powder and some of a collagen. Is there a brand that you like for the protein powder? Um, there are a number of brands that I like, and again, that's a little bit individualized. The collagen, I like the Vital Proteins. Um, for the protein powder, um, there are a number. There's a there's a website called the Clean Label Project um, that actually will look at the purity and the quality of the ingredients in a lot of different categories, whether it's you know health and beauty or cleaning or, in this case, protein powders. So there are some good recommendations there. Um, I personally use the J-Rob Egg White um, because it mixes easily and I think it tastes good and um, it doesn't make me feel bloated or full afterwards. But um, different people, you know, somebody may prefer a plant-based like Garden of Life or Vega. Um, Other people may prefer, you know, a beef protein. like Naked or one of the others. Got it. And just so my listeners know, I'm going to have links to all of these products that Julie's been talking about in the show notes on parentingaces.com. So make sure you come on the website and take a look and and there'll be clickable links there so you can do your own investigation and even shop if you like. Perfect. That's great. That makes it easier, I think, for people rather than just standing in front of the aisle. Right. (laughs) Well, that's why I was asking you for specific brands because I, it's overwhelming. You go into the nutrition section of the supermarket and I mean, there are 8 million things to choose from, even in the sports drinks now, you know, it's gotten overwhelming. And so I think it's nice for people to at least have a jumping off place. And and if they don't like any of these, then they can, you know, definitely do some more research, but at least this is a starting point. So, yes, I am not, um, I'm not paid or endorsed by any of these brands. It's just trial and error that I've, um, that I've come to find them and have used them with my athletes. But um, as you said, I think it's really important for people to make their own decisions based on what they or their family their belief in or value or um, find works best for them. And I think providing a link is a great service. Thank you for doing that. Sure, sure. So I mention one, sorry, I know we're out of time, but can I mention one quick thing? Please. Baths. So I know, um, you know, baths are sort of a thing of the past in a lot of, for a lot of people, but um, Epsom salts are so easy to come by and they contain magnesium. So back to the what should a, a player do to prepare for the fifth day of a tournament, for example, um, taking an Epsom salt bath at the end of the day before bed, um, the magnesium, which is actually absorbed through the skin, is good to decrease cramping, but it also um, is 
good for sleep. And so not only do you have this muscle relaxation, you also have a better quality sleep and um, and hopefully less cramping. Yeah, that's great. And and I just realized we never even discussed cramping and what to do. So <laughs> either you're going to have to come back and we're going to have to devote an episode to that and or my listeners are going to have to reach out to you and do a consult. So in in the event that they would like to reach out to you, Julie Nicoletti, what is the best way for them to do that? Thank you. So either um, an email at julie at kineticfuel.net or uh, my phone number 617-921-4237. Awesome. And we will have all of that information, of course, in the show notes as well. And I urge all of you to check out the show notes because there just might be something extra in there that you might want to know about if you are interested in Julie and what she does. So please go to parentingaces.com and take a look. Julie, thank you so, so, so much. I, you and I had talked about a week ago about, you know, what we wanted to accomplish with this podcast. And I, I told you I really wanted to get specific information for the Parenting Aces audience and you have delivered. And I appreciate that so much. I can't even tell you. So thank, thank you. you. Yeah, it's been fantastic. And, um, we definitely need to do another one of these and, Best of luck to you and your work and and your partnership with Cross Court Consulting. I'm excited Thank about you. that and yeah, seeing where that too. goes. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be me too. Gonna be and to my audience, thank y'all for tuning in, and we will catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you've heard, I hope you'll share the podcast with your tennis community. For all the information you need to navigate the junior and college tennis journey, be sure to check out parentingaces.com. <laughs>